You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. You know, at the end of the day, football is football. All Patriots, all, all the time. Ooh, that's spicy. All Patriots, all, all the time. Welcome to, 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 to First and Foxborough. What's going on, Foxborough football fans? We are back with yet another episode of First in Foxborough. Make sure you're downloading, listening, following, subscribing, all that stuff I tell you to do every single day on the free Odyssey app and wherever you get your podcasts. And we are joined today, my great pleasure, to bring on the masterful Senator Phil Perry of NBC Sports Boston. What's going on, my man? I've never been described that way before. I really appreciate it. I don't think it's accurate. But that's okay. I'll take it. Oh, it totally is. You know, and and I had to be at my my uh, my Tolkienist, uh, you know, best for for the the master blasters who come on the show, my man. But look, we were just involved. Like we sat there and we watched. I mean, that was literally the wildest game of of my football reporting career. I mean, as brief as it's been, for you. I mean, you you've been around here longer than I have. You've been doing this longer than me. What was that that we just saw on Monday night, man? I think that was a coach who's not sure about his quarterback. Uh, That, to me, is the best I can make sense of it. Kyrie, you know, after thinking about it for way longer than anyone should probably think about a given football game, you know, to me, it just comes back to what can we really hang our hat on in terms of believing what we're seeing, what we're hearing, what we're feeling. And I just come back to, listen, we get told a lot of things at podiums and some of them are 100% truth. Some of them are not. The things you really can't screw around with are what you see happen on the field. And I would throw one other little thing in there, which I think is an important bit of evidence that we got this week, which is the injury report. And I know people look at injury reports and – They look at them and they say, teams screw around with those all the time. And Mm -hmm. are we really getting the full story there? And I'm not going to argue with those people, but you're really not supposed to screw with the injury report. And so I do, I do take that as truth. And so for us to watch Mac Jones play on Monday night, and then about 36 hours later, not even two full days later, he's not even listed on the injury report. Mm -hmm. I go back to Bill Belichick's explanation at the podium after the game on Monday night. And even what he told us today, which was he was healthy enough to go, Mm -hmm. but not a full game, I guess. But at that position, it's just so rare to see that and, and make it sound like somebody's on a pitch count. And then not only that, but then the guy gets yanked after he throws an interception. So, you know, I put those two things together and, I say, if he was really sure that Mac Jones was the guy, that he should be the guy moving forward, that he is the guy for the foreseeable future, I don't think you'd mess around with him that way. If he was healthy, he'd be healthy enough to be out there. He'd be healthy enough to stay out there. But based on the optics and now what we're seeing on the injury report, it's hard for me to square that he is fully sold on Mac Jones. And Kyrie, how about today at the press conference? Uh-huh. I think that only adds to it. Totally willing to say Mac Jones is the quarterback for this week. But beyond that, he really, really, really did not want to go there in terms of making that kind of commitment. So I think he's actually been, based on what we've seen, I, I think today's press conference was maybe the most clarifying bit of information as sort of the cherry on top, which is 
He doesn't know if Mac Jones is the guy moving forward. That's how he treated him on Monday night. That's how we talked about him today at the podium. So that's the only conclusion I can make of all this. Yep, that's exactly – I think that is completely fair to say. And you can say that about just about any of the second-year quarterbacks right now, all things considered. But one thing that those other guys have not had, say, Zach Wilson. And, I mean, Zach Wilson hasn't really done much of anything to convince you that he's definitely the guy going forward. But, I mean, with Mac Jones, I even think about yesterday, right, when um, talking – when Tom Curran asked him about – levels of play and what level of play Mac Jones has established to this point. He said, well, he hasn't played for, for three games. And I'm sitting there thinking, well, if he hasn't played for three games and you need him to knock off some of this rust and you need to see what he's got, don't you need more than three offensive series to do that? And then he, and then today, yeah, he was, he was healthy enough to, uh, to, to play last week, but maybe not for a full game then why are you playing him? It's like so many different things don't add up. But I feel like your assessment of the situation is definitely one in which, yeah, I can I can absolutely see that. It did seem notable today that he suggested, and you tried, and so many guys tried to get him to clarify this, and he is just thoroughly unwilling to do it. Talk hypotheticals. I'm not going to get into hypotheticals. It seemed like this was never about Bailey Zappi. It was about whether or not Mac Jones was going to get back and get healthy because they need to find out if this investment is worth it. And you can't do that if you're playing Bailey Zappi. If you're playing Bailey Zappi and you just say, okay, fine, let's just ride with Bailey Zappi, then you've already you lit that pick on fire. You've said that investment is done, but they, they're not there yet. But it's hard not to, to look at, at what they're doing and say that they feel 100% sold on it right now which is something that I think it would have been hard to to think would have happened at the start of the season. Oh, it's I think the trigger that they have had uh, with Mac Jones has been entirely too quick because I think based on the investment that they've made, you have to be more patient. I think you have to be more committal than we've seen from Bill Belichick, especially today. If you want your players to be comfortable in their skin and maybe he feels as though hey we know enough about mac jones and his psyche right that that he doesn't need to be coddled he worked his way up the ladder at alabama he took hard coaching at alabama okay he worked under my buddy nick saban coddling is is not what's going to get the best out of him yeah maybe 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 that's the case with some players but not mac jones i think he felt that way about tom brady so maybe he, he views that these two guys in terms of how they're wired is similar. You got to tweak them. You got to let them know that they're not safe. You got to draft a quarterback in the second round when you think he dropped off a little bit in 2013 to push him that little extra bit, right? You got to tell him, hey, you're the quarterback this week, but we'll see after that to try to motivate him that little bit more because maybe they feel as though he got too comfortable and maybe they feel as though that led to some of the poor play that we saw from Mac Jones when it came to the turnovers early this season. But I think it's, I think you're playing with fire because if you're a quarterback and you're not confident and you feel your team doesn't have confidence in you, that can really screw with you in terms of your play, not just your feelings and your emotions. And it can, when you're out on the field, you're feeling like you have to be at your very, very best at all times. And if you make one screw up, it could be all over. And I'm not sure that's how you want guys to feel either. So I just I view the entire situation as a risky approach by Bill Belichick. But I think, too, just to get back to that game Monday, Kyrie, you know, you said it, it feels like and it sounds like this never had anything to do with Bailey Zappi. I really feel like what we mm. saw Monday night, I think Bill wanted to see a little bit more from Bailey Zappi. I think mm. he wanted to give him an opportunity. Hey, this is maybe our last chance to see him. You know, if and I should I should work my way back there. I think he just wanted to give the kid another chance because he had really done nothing to yeah. be forced off the field, right? He played yeah. well. He did everything they asked him to do. And if Mac Jones turns it over, then let, let's get him out there. If Bailey's happy, Kyrie, let me ask you. Okay. If he had come in, he leads them to two touchdown drives, right? So they come back out in the second half and they score two more touchdowns and the game just flows differently and they end up winning that game. Who's starting on Sunday against the Jets? 
See, to me personally, and, and this is this is kind of where I had been the entire time. So I, I don't want to back off it now. I would have said a healthy Mac Jones starts, but I think I think it feels completely different in that case. Because look, what what ended up happening is Bailey Zappi goes out two touchdown drives, and then I mean you get the fumble on the on the two minute drill, and then the entire tenor of the game is different. So I mean, he, he turned back into what we, what he was, what he was in training camp, what he was in the spring, a fourth round rookie still figuring out how to play in the NFL. And he went through those growing pains and you kind of saw, okay, maybe this, is, I think a lot of people may, maybe thought, oh yeah, if we just keep putting him out there, he's just going to keep on exponentially growing with young quarterbacks, their steps forward, their steps back. It's not a linear process. And I mean, we'll maybe get into this on the other side. The other quarterback on the field has been a complete embodiment of that in Justin Fields. It has not been a linear climb or even a linear decline. It steps up, steps back, and yes, and, and Monday just happened to be a step forward. But what you saw with Bailey Zappi is a come down to, okay, we're, we're back to where we were maybe when he comes in during the Green Bay game. And it's like, okay, what are we going to get from you now? Because we've seen you play well, and now we've seen you play poorly. So now it becomes easier to go back to Mac Jones. But it would have been so much, it would have probably felt more difficult to go back to a healthy Mac Jones against the New York Jets if Zappi played that much better. And maybe you're talking about a shorter leash here. Maybe it finally becomes, you know what, I've seen three games of this guy. And again, against a Bears defense that played better than the two previous defenses we played against. Maybe if we want to win, we got to really think about this. So it's like, hey, Matt, get your stuff together a little bit quicker, or we might have to go back to this kid. Right now, I don't know if it feels that way to me personally. I just look at it, and I know it, you're right. It does sound like, no. But, you know, Bailey's play had nothing to do with this. You know, once Mac was ready to go, Mac was ready to go. But Mac was ready to go on Monday night. Yeah, and see, and see that that's the thing. That's what he says now. And and I think maybe the hindsight from the game has something to do with that. I but, think there's more I think there's more performance involved in this decision making than Bill Belichick is letting on mm-hmm. on both ends, right? So if Bailey's Appy comes out and he lights it up and they beat the Bears 35 to 33, and you're moving into Jets week now, and Mac Jones is off the injury report and fully healthy. I'm still not sure Mac Jones is, is the starting quarterback. I think it'd be hard to keep Bailey Zappi out of that mix, especially if the last thing you saw from Mac Jones is floating an interception into coverage <laughs> on a really bad decision to Jaquan Brisker. So I think performance is part of this. Although I, you know, I asked Bill Belichick straight up, did Bailey Zappi's play on Monday night have anything to do with this? And he said no. It's hard for me. To believe that again, it's it it just is because for it to be a strictly health-based decision, then you're telling me Mac Jones wasn't fully healthy on Monday night. Exactly. And maybe he wasn't, but now he's fully healthy 36 hours later. Exactly. And he was healthy enough to be cleared by the doctors. I mean, did the doctors say, well, he he can play, but he's probably only got, you know, what is this ice time now in, in the NHL? Like he he can play, but he's only got 10 minutes in him tonight. And why would you do that? Like and, and that's what I'm saying. In hindsight, with with the things that he said that 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 haven't added up, and, and the insinuations that have been made that maybe he wasn't ready to play a full game, then what are you doing? Don't play him at all. Play Bailey Zappi. You've seen four games of this guy now. You you know that he or, or three games rather. You know that he can play. That he can run the offense the way that you know more or less you want it run. He's generally going to take care of the football. I mean, obviously he had a couple of turnovers in this game, but I mean, coming into this, right. I I just feel like, I don't know why Mac Jones played. If you weren't ready to play him a full game, I don't get it. Do, I think they, who probably, else does this? they they probably could say, right. Well, right. I mean, no, it's, 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 it's very it's highly unusual. I won't say it's completely unprecedented because I don't know across the league, but I think he could make the argument if Bill Belichick was sitting in on our conversation right now, and he, he could say, Hey, you know, like we wanted to knock some rust off the guy, mm-hmm. but it's a short week before a divisional game against an opponent. That's pretty good and a really good defense. And we felt as though, even though he was cleared to play the whole game, because again, I don't think they make those kinds of distinctions. I don't know that for a fact, but it would be surprising to me if they said he's cleared, but only for a quarter plus, uh, you know, like that. I just, Again, hard for me to buy, but I could see him saying, let's knock off some rust, but it's a short week. And if you play the whole game, 
I'm a little worried about how your ankle's going to feel Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, and we need you out there. We need you practicing because we need to win this game because it's a divisional game. And if you have to be really limited because you worked it too much on Monday night, then we're not setting ourselves up for success for this more important game on Sunday in New Jersey. Maybe that's what he would say. It still feels like there's a lot of qualifiers there and you could have played him more than you played him. When you pull him after a pick, I'm sorry. And again, it's just hard for me to buy that that is strictly injury. Right. No, it it felt like it had to be somewhat performance related. And I, and I do agree with you that I, I think you can't completely remove performance from any equation. And I don't know that the Patriots, they, they just don't function like that, right? They want competition. They are, they're constantly evaluating you, even if they're not going to let us in on those evaluations, right? Like, we don't do mid, you know, uh, mid season progress reports. It's like, you're not going to tell us about it. <laughs> I mean, that that's, that's, they do, they do snap to snap progress reports practice. They're evaluating everything all the time. Like you said, exactly. And so I, I think that you cannot possibly remove that aspect of it. I know for myself, I'm just thinking like, this is, this is bigger than just, you know, this game or even this season when it comes to Mac Jones. And, they, and they've, got, they've got to see if he's worth it or not. With that in mind, I want, I want to know from you because there's been a lot of discussion about it. I know I wrote something up about it in terms of the, the aggregate of what, you know, kind of the play calling looks like with Bailey Zappi versus Mac Jones and you know, with Mac Jones, it's, you know, it's more shotgun. It's, it's less play action. It's less, it's more, more five man protections, not a lot of max protect. And, and the way that that influences the way that they, that they play and, you know, perhaps influences some of the results. And obviously some people have come out and said, you know, Hey, look at the, the sample size from Monday was a little bit different. Um, and, and there might be context for, for why that is. I'm not, <laughs> I am not going to sit up here and be like, oh, yeah, well, they're sabotaging Mac Jones. Why would they possibly? That, that makes no sense. There's no reason they would do that. But I want to get your opinion on this. How does how does this team get Mac Jones going? Because it just feels like what they had been doing those first three games, those first three quarters against Baltimore were pretty good. And then it kind of went off the rails a little bit. But what they were doing at the start of the game on Monday was not working. How do they get Mac Jones going? Well, let's just say this first off the bat. It's a lot easier to play quarterback when your run game is going off for 200 yards Mm -hmm. and when your defense is scoring and you're playing with nice, comfortable leads and you're able to run it at will. And if you want to pull it out of the the belly of a running back and throw it down the field for some play action, now all of a sudden guys are cutting free, wide open, nobody within 15 yards of them down the field. It's a lot easier to play the position that way as opposed to the way Bailey Zappi had to try to play the position mm-hmm. on Monday night in the second half where you're down on the scoreboard. You have to win from the pocket. You have to throw into tight windows. You have to be really accurate, and you don't have the benefit of, of play action. You may not be able to, one out of every five dropbacks, throw a screen and hope and works out. It's just a different game. and. Again, I, I think if, if we're talking about this being performance-based somewhat, the decision that Bill Belichick makes to go with a certain quarterback, I don't know how you could watch what happened on Monday night and feel great about your ability to win on a consistent basis with Bailey Zappi because he's just not there yet in terms of being able to succeed in those situations. When you can run play action 30% of the time and your running game's going off, it's, it's just a different story. Mm-hmm. So I think what you could do – if you're the Patriots, is you could try to, in some way, shape, or form, middle it, right, between this heavy, under center, play action style that you had with the rookie because you probably felt as though he needed some hand-holding. He needed as much help as he could get, and we know play action, plain and simple, helps quarterbacks. It's a cheat code. We know that. But it's not always going to be there. And so when it's not – then you can open up some of the more complicated concepts, maybe some of the more down the field concepts out of shotgun from the pocket that we've seen quite a bit of 
when Mac Jones is out there. There's there is a way to to do both. And so I think that to me has to be what they're shooting for moving forward here. But I, I think they just look at this, Kyrie, and they feel as though for some reason that even though physically these these guys are, are pretty similar, you know, neither has the strongest arm, neither is incredibly mobile. They must have certain strengths and weaknesses according to the coaching staff, right? Because the opening scripts of games, I thought this was really interesting from Dante Scarnecchia when he was on the Greg Hill show the other day. Yes. So the opening scripts, those are supposed to be your best plays. And your best plays are supposed to highlight the skill sets of your of your best players and specifically your quarterbacks. And so, and I know matchups are different. And these are small sample sizes, but Mac Jones in the first quarter, the other night on Monday Night Football, so, you know, call it your opening script-ish. I know they went three and out of their first two drives, so it's not much of a script, but 11 first quarter snaps against the Bears. He's under center less than 20% of the time. The week before, opening script for Bailey Zappi, he's under center almost 60% of the time. And wow. both of those teams, again, different matchups, small sample size, I get it. Both of those teams going into those games, both of those opponents, I should say, sucked against the run, right? The Bears yeah. sucked against the run. Mm -hmm. They still have Mac Jones working out of the gun. Why is that? Is it injury-related? Maybe. Right. Is it just they don't want him making those, you know, five-step, seven-step drops, you know, on some of those heavy play-action fakes, if that's what they're eventually working towards, if that's how you initially deploy your offense? Maybe. Or is it they just feel like he's better when you spread it out and let him try to throw it down the field? I don't know. But that, to me, was pretty telling. And then, you know, even look at the zappy, the initial zappy snap. So the game's still hanging in the that, balance. That's, that's exactly what, what I'm thinking of. Go ahead. Yeah, the, the the first few snaps against the Bears, and it's still, you know, it's 10 nothing. so you're down. So you might say, okay, well, game script. He's got to be out of shotgun. It's obvious passing situations. This looks like what the Patriots do in these spots. No. Four of his first seven snaps were under center. And on those four snaps under center, the Patriots pick up 80 yards, and they score two touchdowns. And they went to more shotgun as the game went on for Bailey Zappi because they were down and because you are in obvious passing situations. But why did they do that? Again, over 50%, you know, it's a, again, small sample, seven snaps. Okay. But over 50% of the time he's under center and it's working great. Whereas with Mac Jones, you're just very reluctant to do that. It just, again, maybe that's injury related, but it, it feels like there's something to the fact that they view these guys differently. And so they're, they're calling different plays for them. Yeah. And, and I mean, you can talk about, um, I mean, I know Bailey Zappi and, you know, a couple of people said, oh, yeah, it's the same plays, same game plan. Right. But I mean, yeah, I'm sure you're practicing the exact same plays. Everybody's got to know the same plays. But in the game, it just feels like the difference is obvious. They're asking Mac Jones, at least to, to distill it down is probably too simple. Right. But they're asking Mac Jones to throw the ball further down the field. And and make more reads essentially because there are, there are more receivers out in the route when you have fewer guys in the block, and you're asking him to do that with less protection, and 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 I mean it just it's less protection and with less benefit from play action, and so it just feels like there's got to be some as you said it's a middle ground because last year I mean he was under center for for the totality of the year he was under center more than Bailey Zappi is now or has been in, in the aggregate and more play action than what Bailey Zappi was running in the aggregate. And so it just feels like there's the, they, they've shifted so hard towards shotgun and, and no play action that it feels like, of course, it caught the Bears off guard that all of a sudden Bailey Zappi comes in the game and, you know, oh, what, they're running play action from under center? What the hell? You know, it, it's like now things look a little bit differently, whereas you knew that generally Mac Jones was just going to be back in the gun. And if you put the ball out there for the running back, the running back was going to get the ball. It, it just it just felt like, yeah, they, they played their trick on that when they got 14 points out of it. And then, well, that kind of went down the window in the second half. And so it just makes you wonder, like, why not let Mac Jones do more of that? Even if your your plan is to get to the more spread it out, and, and be more just like, okay, look, we're going to rely on your arm, Mac, because we need to if we're going to keep pace with some of these other teams that we're going to have to keep pace with. But to get him back in the swing, get him some layups, get him some confidence, I would like to see them do that as well. Here's where I think the Patriots coaching staff is at a little bit of a crossroads. 
Mm. Not only with the quarterback and who's playing it, but I agree with the reasoning behind some of the changes they've made. Okay. Mm-hmm. So the down the field throwing, yep. right. Trying yep. to be more explosive. Yep. That's a great too. idea. I because agree. the I best agree offenses too. in football are explosive. They create chunk plays. They don't have to live in these 12 to 14 to 16 play drives where you have to be perfect the whole way through. No penalties, right? No turnovers just to punch the thing into the end zone. The best offenses in the league, the Bills, the Chiefs, etc., they can kill you with one play. They can get down the field in 12 seconds and score, as we saw in the postseason last year, right, in Kansas City. So if you want to be that, all the power to you. Do whatever you think you have to do to get to that level. But I think what they're finding out is, whether it's because of the quarterback or because of the play calls themselves or because of the the fact that everything is new now because it is a new offense and the – the protections are new and the coaching staff is new. It ain't working. Yeah. What is working is what they were doing last year, which is power run game, play action. You know, when they're going good, they're protecting the football. We just haven't seen all that much of it. Mm -hmm. But is what they were last year, while it might be better than what we've seen so far this year, is it enough to take you where you want to go? I would say – it's not exactly if you, if you end up with the same offense that you had in 2021, you're looking at another first round exit in the postseason because it's just not enough to keep up. So to me, it gets back to being patient with Mac Jones in the first place. And why I think that's, that's your better option. You got to take your lumps as you're trying to figure this out. You have to take your lumps with what is looking like right now, at least, a no risk it, no biscuit kind of offense. And that's not where it should be forevermore. But if that's what you want to be, it's a significant philosophical change. It's not always going to look pretty, but you do have to get there. You have to be able to be explosive and take care of the football. And it's not always going to look good as you're on the path to that result, but you can't quit on it, right? You can't just say, well, let's just go with Zappy because he'll check it down and he'll take care of the ball and we'll be able to run it. And, no, because now you're now you're last year's offense exactly. with a worse with a worse quarterback, and you have no upside, and you have no chance of beating the Bills or the Chiefs or beating any of these teams that you know you eventually need to beat to be a great team. So you can do that if you want. Joe Judge, Matt Patricia, Bill Belichick. If if you just are looking at Bailey Zappi and saying, "Well, man, that guy's not going to throw to the other team," that's all well and good. Is he going to be able to keep up with the other team? Is yeah. he going to be able to score points? Is he going to be able to make you a great offense? If the answer is no there, then you're better off going with the guy with the higher ceiling, living through the mistakes, and hoping that even if it's not this year, you have the guy for five years. Maybe it's next year. Maybe it's the year after that. Eventually, he comes into his own in this philosophical change that you've undergone, and you're better off for it. It feels like, again, the, the, the quick trigger has been way too quick with Mac Jones, because in my opinion, he is the higher upside quarterback between these two and he's your best option. So you might as well take your lumps now as you're going through a lot of change and hope that it works out for you long-term. You know, it's interesting when you talk to use a baseball analogy, right? People want to talk about, yeah, we want to see, you know, he hit for power, right? That's the big thing now hit, hit for power. We need to score more runs and, and all of that. And last year you were a single and doubles team with Mac Jones, a lot, a lot of singles, you know, a lot of easy stuff. And it's like, yeah, we want to see if you can do more. But then people are getting mad when he strikes out more. Right. And, and it's like, look, if you want to get to a point where where you, you're hit, you're playing with the big boys, you're hitting with the big boys, throwing with the big boys. Well, sometimes you're going to take your lumps. And I think it's interesting that we, we're in a situation right now where people are saying, yeah, I'll air it out with Mac Jones and, you know, we'll, we'll, we'll see what happens. I'd feel much better if we aired it out and we lost uh, than if we grinded out what, like seven to six and, and we're winning because that's not getting you closer to a Super Bowl. And then we're, we're getting to that point where we're trying to air it out and it's, and it's not looking good. And now people are freaking out. I, I, I want to talk about the kind of the juxtaposition because I've been playing around with this a lot in, in, in my mind between Chicago 
the team they just played with Justin Fields and, and with Mac Jones. Because last year, Mac Jones was head and shoulders above all the other rookie quarterbacks in that class. Not even close. Not in the same realm. Justin Fields had his moments, just like a lot of the other guys. But all in all, it wasn't very good. And again, there have been moments this year where it wasn't very good. But it was good on Monday. And I wasn't expecting to see the Chicago Bears look like they had a better quarterback situation than the New England Patriots. That kind of blew my mind when I saw it in person. But again, we're talking about two second year guys that have taken their lumps. And then you've got guys in year three who kind of took their lumps before, like a Jalen Hurts, a Tua Tungabailoa that you weren't sure about coming into this year. And they're playing better football. Are we, and you're talking about having a quick trigger finger, are we being too quick to just be like, oh, well, they're not in year two. They're supposed to take this magical second year leap, throw them off a cliff, and we'll go with the next guy. Like, do we need to change the way that we think about quarterback development, especially with the way defenses are changing to say, oh, yeah, you want explosive offense. We're going to take that away from you. Do we need to rethink the way we evaluate these guys? I think patience is more necessary across the board in the NFL. We've talked about it for a long time with coaching staffs. I don't think owners are patient enough. I don't think coaches are patient enough with quarterbacks. And it's probably coming from the top, right? Because coaches, it's not the case here in New England, but generally speaking, they can't wait around three years for their quarterback, even if he's taken in the first round, to develop into the guy that they hoped he would be. Because by the time three years have come and gone, if you're not a playoff team, you might be out of a job. And so the pressure that comes with every NFL job is forcing some of these quick hooks, these quick trigger situations. I think you'd need more patience at the quarterback spot, even with a guy like Mac Jones, who, right, like his advantage compared to some of the other guys in his class was that he was beyond his years in terms of his NFL IQ or his football IQ. Somebody like, you know, Justin Fields, who has all the tools in the world, you might be on the surface, be willing to be more patient with that guy because we've seen it, you know, Josh Allen being the the right the most recent example, although a very a very singular example. That guy yeah. is a unicorn. And so if you're hoping to hit on that, like God bless all the power to you, it's probably not gonna happen. But at least yeah. that example is there. You need to be more patient. Um, I think especially here in New England to bring it back to the Patriots I think something that they run into that will make it hard for them to be patient that has made it clearly they're, they're not being patient with Mac Jones mm-hmm. based on everything we've heard the last 48 hours I think the reason why it's tough is because they're expected to win the difference between the Bears and the Patriots right now is that one team knows it's not winning a Super Bowl anytime soon And the other team probably thinks that it can. And when the reality is they probably should be taking a more slow playing type of approach, not that they're, they should be tanking or that they should be completely rebuilding, but they should be realistic. They should be realistic. Are the Patriots Super Bowl contenders this year? Does anybody feel that way? No, but I think they do. You know, like, I think they feel like, hey, we got the coaching staff, we've got veteran pieces that, you know, can work, and we've got an offense that was top 10 in the league last year and scoring it. So I think that's where you run into the impatience. Like, the Bears love Justin Fields. They love the way he works. They love what he brings behind the scenes. He's a quiet guy, but he's sort of, I think, developing into a quiet leader based on what I've heard. He's all about ball. He just needs some time. They want to develop him. They they want him to be able to see a lot of NFL defense. They want him to get a lot of reps because they felt like, you know, even in college, he didn't play that much football in college. It wasn't like he was a four-year starter in college. So now he's into his second system in the NFL offensively. And so they're willing to give him that breathing room that he needs. The Patriots, meanwhile, are thinking, well, we got to win. Bill Belichick, I got to win. I'm Bill Belichick. We we haven't we haven't won a play. Our owners telling us in March we got to go to the playoffs and win a playoff game. Mm-hmm. So pressure's on now. So if Mac's not getting it done, let's see who else we have and see if they can figure it out because we don't have time. We got to go 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 go. And I'm not sure that's the right approach. 
Yeah, and, and I don't either. I, I've been, I have this discussion a lot with uh, you know, people back home talking about the Chicago Bears and and even, even with the guys I don't like as much, right? Like Zach Wilson, whom they're, whom they're about to play. I don't think very much of Zach Wilson right now, but I feel like I learned this lesson a few years ago when, I mean, Josh Allen showed flashes, but it was really up and down second season. And he came in here in week 16 and he did some things that I was just like, wow, okay, you might actually be it. And then he blows up in year three. And I'm just like, you know what? I'm, I'm going to slow my roll on this. I'm going to give myself those three years before I decide anything. So even for the guys, you know, for the guys I like and the guys I don't like. But we have talked a lot about quarterbacks and a lot about offense. And I want to talk about the defense because I was digging into something. And I, I wrote about this for Thursday morning, that the Patriots have a problem defending non-traditional quarterbacks guys that can run of the five guys that have had the most rushing yards for quarterbacks out, out of, out of the entire league. It's Jalen hurts, Lamar Jackson, Kyler Murray, Justin Fields, Josh Allen. They played three of those guys four times in the last two years. And they're one in three and they've given up a boatload of points. And it just seems like they have a hard time corralling guys that aren't just going to sit in the pocket and wait for you, and, and, and they're, they're not going to sit there, you know, in the pocket, wait for you to come to them. It seems like they have that part schemed up. I believe they are they are twelve and eight against everybody that they played in the last two years, not named Allen, Jackson, or Fields. So when you look at at that, and they're giving up like almost like twelve points fewer per game, which is the wild part. When when you look at that, is this Patriots defense? Are, are, are they too, quote-unquote, one-dimensional? I mean, is this a league-wide problem that you're seeing where teams are having trouble defending that? Or do you think that that what you've seen against the New, the New England Patriots suggests that they have a problem with this, a unique problem, that they're going to have to keep in mind because they play Josh Allen twice a year and they've got Kyler Murray coming up? Well, that's the thing. I mean, they, they need to have this figured out, and I'm surprised they don't have it figured out more. Now, I know – Lamar Jackson's a different runner than Justin Fields, who's a different right. runner than Josh Allen. But because you have to see Josh Allen twice a year and because they are going to be, it looks like, at the top of the division for the foreseeable future, mm -hmm. you got to have a plan for this stuff. And, again, different schemes. You know, I think that's what caught them off guard on Monday night was Justin Fields is typically headed into that game more of a scramble drill runner right. than a counter bash you know, power sweep, quarterback, you know, uh, designed run game type of player the way Lamar Jackson is, but that's where, where they were asleep at the wheel. But but Josh Allen does do some of that. They do some of that stuff with the Bills. You would think that they would be on their P's and Q's a little bit more, like because they should be to some degree used to it. Like the, the Steelers and the Browns and the Bengals, they're used to having to defend that that diverse quarterback run game that Lamar brings to the table every week because they have to see it twice a year. And so those games, I mean, we all know those AFC North games, those are slogs. Those are tough. Those are the, because you're used to it. When you don't see it, obviously it's difficult, but the Patriots, again, they got a guy in their division who it, it's a little different, but you, you'd think they'd have a little bit more ready to go against some of these mobile quarterbacks. And they, they don't, I think Kyler Murray, I don't know enough about how the Cardinals offense has looked this year yet, but I think he's a little bit like what they thought Fields would be, right? He's more of a scrambled drill runner. Like, I don't know how much. Like, I'm playing Madden, you know. Yeah, I don't know how much designed run game there is for Kylo Murray. I'm sure there's a little bit because he's an electric athlete. But I don't know if it's to the same extent. I think the, the Bears had 12 designed runs for Justin Fields the other night. Like, that's significant. If you're not ready for that, not only are you not – putting yourself in the best position to succeed against those individual plays. But now they're swimming around the possibility of those plays is swimming around in your brain as you're trying to defend everything else they're throwing at you. And maybe it's leading to gaffes in other areas. So they've got an issue with those guys. Will that be an issue this week against the jets? I don't think so. I don't think it's going to be an issue most weeks because most quarterbacks don't provide, right. provide you that kind of threat. But if I'm the bills, especially late in the year when you might be willing to run Josh Allen more than you are early in the season, right? Because you're, you're worried about injury. If that guy goes down, your season's over. But if it's late December and you're playing for seeding or it's in the playoffs again for the second year in a row, if that if the Patriots uh, 
you know, eventually have to worry about that. It doesn't look like they will at this point, but you got to have something else cooked up, something else ready to go because the Bills could run same place Lamar Jackson ran, same place Justin Fields ran, and until you stop them, you're going to continue to see him from these mobile quarterbacks because why wouldn't you if you're an opposing offense? And that's what I'm thinking about with Kyler Murray. Maybe they don't run those kinds of plays now, but the Bears didn't do it either. And they right. looked at that Ravens tape and they said, oh, yeah, we're going to do this because the Patriots couldn't stop it. Like I remember being and watching that game. They had Lamar Jackson kind of bottled up on the scrambles a little bit more. Yeah, he had a couple of plays where he broke the pocket. But by and large, they did a solid job. And then in the second half, they started running him more and they had no answer. They had no answer for Justin Fields. And I expect the Cardinals and the Bills to look at what just happened and say, oh, yeah, we're we're going to we are definitely going to do that down the stretch because we know that they can't stop it. And it, it's an interesting sort of give and take when it comes to that, where most quarterbacks, as you mentioned, are not those kinds of athletes. So you're saying, OK, may, maybe if there's sort of a. Uh, lesser of two evils like yeah you, you take your lumps against a player like that every now and again as long as you can stop most of the rest of the guys the problem is that one of the guys you got to stop is at the top of your division and he can do that kind of stuff he can scramble he can run and I mean he punished you last year with it on a couple of key plays and so you, you got to figure out how to how to deal with that I just want to get to something real fast before we wrap it up we were both down at the NFL Combine. And I don't think either one of us had any idea what was going to end up happening with the, the NFL draft where they ended up taking Cole Strange in the first round or anything like that. We, we were at that point thinking cornerback. I know you're a big Trent McDuffie guy. I was thinking, you know what? Maybe a rangy linebacker like a Devin Lloyd. That one was my kind of draft crush. And These I'm look looking, pretty good. And, and I'm looking at the way this defense is constructed right now and thinking – they really didn't change as much as, as everybody thought they were going to. And it feels like it hurts in some of those games where you're seeing them run on you and, and the run game, the, the Patriots run defense isn't very good either. And so when you look at what the Patriots did not do, a cornerback looks like it's, it's better than we expected. But when you look at what the Patriots opted to do in the draft versus what they did not do, what they could have done, what kind of ramifications do you think that's having for where they are right now? And what do they need to do to address it? I think the scary thing for the Patriots is we don't even know how significant that first round decision was until we see them play the Bills, hmm. right? I think one of the reasons <laughs> – yeah. You needed, everybody saw it, you needed faster players at the second level was because of what Josh Allen did to you late in the year, last year. And we saw it was, you know, third and short situations, fourth and short situations, Josh Allen just getting to the edge before Dante Hightower or Jamie Collins, you know, because they didn't have enough speed. That was one of the huge takeaways from those games for people. And you ought not to do it because you like some of the guys you had. So Cam McGrone, who's now on the practice squad, was expected to be a guy for you. Yep. He's not, at least not yet. Mac Wilson, you trade for him. Seemingly you like him. That's another good athlete. He's a bit player in your defense right now. Juwan Bentley's still out there all the time, but he's big Juwan Bentley. I think he's he's probably a better athlete than I've given him credit for over the course of his career, but he's not – He's not an elite mover at that position by any stretch of the imagination. And so you went with a guard who's played well. I'll give Cole Strange all kinds of credit because he has not been a problem for them by and large. No. Yeah. But could you have gotten away with a guard somewhere else in the draft who also wouldn't be a problem for you while also drafting this. while also drafting your Devin Lloyd, who's had a great start to his young career for the, for the Jaguars? I think he was – he might have been – he was, he was rookie, rookie of the month in September. Yeah. yeah, so guy's already one of the best young defensive players in the league, and you opted not to go there. Quay Walker, I, I know, hasn't been as good, but is playing a real role in Green Bay. And, again, I don't, I don't know how that's working, but it's another guy who's a big body with really good athleticism, pretty freaky mover, uh, who I think would have fit Bill yeah. Belichick's mold. And so, you know, corner, you're right. So the people that were, and I know there were people in the building here who really liked Trent McDuffie, 
and who were wondering, was that the right call for us yeah. to go with Cole over, over Trent, to trade down and lose out on the opportunity to draft Trent? It looks like they're okay there with Jack Jones and Marcus Jones. Like, I got to give them that. Like, they, they, those guys have been – those guys have looked like really, really good picks. But I do wonder if that linebacker position is going to come back to haunt them because you're, you're bringing Jamie Collins in off the street. And I think that speaks volumes of not just where they're where we see their linebacker position right now. I think it tells you where they see it. They they have to be looking at it and saying, "Wow, did we strike out on all of these moves that we made in the off season at this position? Because we thought we were going to be different there, and we're really not." And, and now you look at it; you've got Jamie Collins and Jawan Bentley, two of your most frequently used linebackers on Monday Night Football. It's like we're back to we're just back to 2018. You know, yeah. back to 2019, whatever it was, minus Dante Hightower. So um, it's a it's a bad situation, and I think it's a, it's a situation that could look worse when we see Josh Allen. Yeah, and that's what I'm that's what I'm worried about as well. Let let's let let's do this to kind of wrap it up. Number one, Mac Jones does he make it through Sunday's game entirely? Does he play the full game? Does he finish out the season? And what happens with the New England Patriots? Can they steal that seventh wild card spot? Or are we being, would that even be completely unrealistic given what they are and what some of the teams ahead of them that they've got on the schedule? Yeah, it's tough. I think it's going to be tough for them to, you know, if you just look at the schedule, it, it had played out through six games. I had to do a 17 game by game, 17 game prediction for the season before it started. And through the first six, it went exactly as I thought in terms of wins and losses and where they came lose to the bears when, you know, now maybe, maybe it only takes nine wins to get into the postseason this year. It looks like a weird year. There's not a lot of great teams in either conference right now. So I thought it would take 10. I had them as a nine and eight team and just oh, barely yeah. missing the playoffs. Yeah, me too. But I had them beating the bears. <laughs> so that's where my 17 yeah. game prediction has now gone awry. So now are they an eight win team? And missing the game and missing the postseason by by a game, I, I could see that. So that's the answer your your last question first. I I if I had to answer right now, I I have to say I don't see them as a playoff team. I do think Matt Jones will be the quarterback the rest of the year. What we know about him is that he has been over the course of time a really resilient guy, right? So this is some serious adversity. Mm-hmm. Uh, you got to have to play through not having all the confidence in the world from your coaching staff. But maybe he's used to that. You know, in Alabama. He had to beat out a five-star young freshman quarterback to win that job and and take control of that team. He did. Uh, and so maybe he views this as a similar situation. And, you know, I, I feel like – and by the way, for those of you listening, you might have noticed a change in my voice. That's because we had a situation where my computer decided it just wanted to restart. So I hopped in here with with, with Phil, and now now we're, we're snuggling up. You know, we're, we're, we're buddies. We're getting real cozy together. Right. You know what I mean? But – Look, I, I think that there there's some concern, right? That okay, maybe Mac Jones is uh, you know he's broken. I don't I don't really know that I buy that. I feel like he's probably tougher mentally than that. He's a fiery competitor. We 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 know that about him. I I I think that he'll probably be able to be fine. I think that he's been able to put adversity behind him better than perhaps you would be expected given some of the little things he does in practice, right? The slapping the thighs and, you know, kind of the storming around. But in the end, it seems like he gets it together. So I, I think that's going to be the case. But look, all in all, I mean, I, I had it the same way that you did. Nine and eight being just good enough to miss the playoffs. And that, that said, though, I had them beating the Bears as well. So maybe there's a situation down the line where you steal a win right. that, that, that we didn't expect you to steal. And then, and then we go from there. Like, for example... I mean, maybe the Vikings, right? Like maybe, maybe that's a game that you can that you can win that maybe we're all kind of not expecting you to win down the road and, and we'll and we'll go from there. But look, man, I mean, if you're looking at the Jets and some of us maybe thought, oh yeah, they're gonna definitely sweep, you know, they might sweep that because they're still the Jets. I gotta see it from you. I don't know. Maybe that's not the case anymore. And if that's not the case, then you ain't getting the nine wins. Right. I, I just it's hard to have a lot of confidence in how things are gonna go even this week. Kyrie. So I haven't made my pick yet. It would not surprise me if I'm picking the Jets because I think it's a tough spot for Mac Jones. I think it's just, it's a good defense. You 
might be, probably are going to be. We'll see how he feels at the end of the week. Playing without your starting center. Yeah. It's a big blow. Yeah. You know, I think they like James Ference, but there's certain things that James uh, that David Andrews does for them offensively that um, any other center on the roster is not going to be able to do. So it's a tough spot against a good front, again, you know, yeah. against a quarterback who is facing a lot of pressure right now. And so it's it would not shock me if we're looking at this and they're three and five all of a sudden. Now they're out of everybody's playoff picture. Yeah. yeah and all it. of a sudden we're talking about they got to be sellers at the trade deadline. Yeah. And speaking of which, I mean, I personally think that you might see some sales regardless because I'm looking at the wide receiver situation. I know the contract for Nelson Aguilar is onerous. And I know that Kendrick Bourne is, is a bargain. And maybe you maybe don't want to do that. But I'm looking at it and saying those Tyquan Thornton's basically wide receiver three now. He went, he, he they, Nelson Aguilar was healthy. He was able to play. And Tyquan Thornton was by far the, the number three wide receiver on this team. And I feel like, especially when, if you have two tight ends that are able to be healthy, you can, you can lose one of those guys. If you had to pick which one goes, Nelson Aguilar or Kendrick Bourne? Aguilar, uh, because Bourne has term on his deal and they need, they might need receivers next year. Jacoby Myers is like Aguilar in a contract year. There's no guarantee he's back. Yeah, um, but you ain't trading him because that's no, you're not trading him, yeah. but you're looking at next year and you're saying, Oh, yeah, well, we absolutely. can't go into a season without, yeah, Aguilar, Myers, and Bourne. And yeah, now, now it's Parker and Thornton and and nobody yeah. else. Yeah, so I think so, I was saying that because I've seen people go, Oh, yeah, the uh, called on Jacoby Myers, might he be available? It's like, Oh, no, that, that ain't happening. Well, but, listen, if they if they end up losing, if Bill Belichick's traded players <laughs> before <laughs> that, that we don't think that they, that they should trade, but they do it anyway because yeah. he, he might be looking at it and saying, Hey. Teams look at Jacoby Myers as an 80 catch a year guy mm-hmm. and a borderline thousand yard receiver. He's a he's a good player. He's gotten so good. And if they feel like they can't re-sign him, why wouldn't you try to trade him mm-hmm. for something better than whatever the comp pick is that you get for him? So That's fair. That's I would fair. say don't do it because he's one of your best players. And if you want to make this into a season, you got to keep him around. But Maybe Belichick knows that they're not likely to hold on to him, and maybe he starts to feel like this is a reset year, new coaching staff, and it's been harder than we thought it would be, and that's when you could see some some drastic moves potentially. So I wouldn't anticipate that. My bet would be it's Aguilar for some sort of small return, Yeah, and you move forward with the rest of the guys you have. Yeah, and you know what? We just saw with the Robert Quinn trade that, hey, if you're willing to eat some of that money, then – a team might be more likely to go ahead and take that chance. Phil, thank you so much for doing this. This was fun. It was as fun as I thought it was going to be. And make sure that y'all are checking this out, checking out all the other podcasts we've been doing and all the ones that are coming up in the future on First and Foxborough. Download, subscribe, listen on the free Odyssey app wherever you get your podcasts. Peace out.